0: Welcome to Alone with Peter. I'm your host, and on this podcast, you're going to hear interviews with entrepreneurs, artists, digital nomads, and people seeking personal growth. We'll dive deep into what set them on their journey, where they are now, and how their story can impact you, including any helpful insights if you aspire to take a similar leap of faith. No matter where you are in the journey, thanks for spending some quality time Alone with Peter. This episode of Aloma Peter is brought to you by Sagebrush Coffee Roastery. There's nothing quite like a good cup of coffee. That's why I've always made it a point when traveling to try out the local cuisine and find the best coffee shops. From the Instagrammable coffee of East Asia to the classic cafes of Western Europe, I've tried a lot of coffee. And let me tell you something, nothing has quite hit the spot like Sagebrush Coffee. Sagebrush is an online coffee roastery with a wide variety of single-origin coffees you can order from the comfort of your home, knowing that your coffee is so fresh, it isn't roasted until after you order. But what makes Sagebrush so special is their dedication to the farmers and producers who make the coffee. Sagebrush's goal on a fundamental level is to allow the hard work of those producers to shine and to be rewarded for it. If you're interested in the process of coffee while becoming a more conscious consumer, Sagebrush is a goldmine of information. Along with their selection of coffee beans to purchase, Sagebrush has an extensive archive of free educational blog posts that are built into their website to help shed more light on the world of the coffee industry and how your purchasing power impacts that world. You'll learn the history of specific countries of origin, see breakdowns of various coffee terminology, and find quick blurbs about family business updates. If you're interested in learning more about the world of coffee, Sagebrush is a great place to start. And for a limited time from now until August, you can save 10% on your next order of coffee beans by visiting sagebrushcoffee.com forward slash AWP10 or by using the promo code AWP10 at checkout. What's your name? Arlon? Who cares?
1: Alone. Alone. Did you say Peggy? Alone. My name is Peggy, Peggy, Peggy. Alone. 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 Alone.
0: Today's guest on Aloma Peter is Mari Escobar, a financial controller for an indie Latin record label. She's a female solo traveler who has found a way to continue traveling around the world while working a normal nine-to-five. She's visited over 53 countries solo with family and friends. And if you are someone who's felt like it's impossible to travel while also having a normal job, well, this one's for you. In part one of our interview with Mari Escobar, we'll be diving into her professional and personal background, as well as her love of travel. How did moving to the U.S. for college impact her, and how does she find a way to travel the world with family and friends? I can't think of a better interview to cap the finale of season two of Aloma Peter. This is the final three-part interview of the season before I move off to Japan, and you're going to have to stick around through the end because, man, is it a doozy. All right, let's get to it with Mari Escobar, only on Alone with Peter. Today we are joined by a very special friend of mine, Mari Escobar. And uh, this one's fun because if you have listened to the podcast for a while, you maybe remember I talked with somebody from the Big Four named Tanner Combeas. And I met Tanner in Vietnam. Well, guess what? I also met Mari in Vietnam And Mari also worked for one of the big four financial firms. We'll talk about that as we go through this episode. But one thing that I think is really special about Mari is if anybody who knows her for long enough will be like, okay, where is she now? Because (laughs) you're literally always somewhere different. You're always traveling. You're always going on some kind of trip. And I can't wait to dive into what that looks like. How do you prioritize travel? Because you have a normal nine to five plus job right and i think most people they, they think that's not possible so we'll talk about your travel experience but we'll also talk about what you do for a living um getting into solo travel a bit especially as a girl i think that's gonna be an interesting topic and just catch up on some travel stories and stuff so you know with that in mind mari how how have things been for you lately
1: hey thank you for that introduction <laughs> it's very true Nobody asks me like, "How are you?" It's like, "Where are you now? <laughs> where are you going next?" So yeah, yeah doing good now in LA. I'm kind of. I've been here for a couple of months, but you yeah, know, I'm taking off in a couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> and... I gotta
1: keep it going.
0: Yeah, where are you two next?
1: I'm going to Europe, so I'm doing Paris, Italy, and Dublin.
0: Nice. You, you never get tired of it, do you?
1: Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> never enough.
0: Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk a fair amount about these different things. But alone with Peter, we like to go through different segments. So this is the three-part interview we're, we're, we're all uh, strapped in for here. And starting in part one, we're going to be talking a little bit more about your background, right? So I want to talk about your professional background, your personal background, and also kind of dive into your love for travel. So I wanted to start with um, where are you from originally?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in Puerto Rico and then I left uh, for school, but my father's Panamanian. So that's kind of like, it was always an excuse to travel, to go visit family. So that was part of our my upbringing, I guess. But yeah, born and raised in Puerto Rico and I've been in the States, let's say on and off like 10 years.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that, you mentioned your dad, your family's played a pretty big role in, in why you love traveling so much. Do you mind sharing kind of what what traveling growing up was like for you guys?
1: Yeah. uh, Vacation was always like very important. We at least would plan like one big trip of like two weeks somewhere, mostly Europe. And we would usually have that sometimes plus going to Panama, you know, to visit family. So those were like two big ones, like usually around the summer. And my father always like um, put that into me. He's like, Travel now that you can. Don't wait till you're old when your knees hurt and you can't walk. You got to do it now.
0: (laughs) That's really great advice. Um, Yeah. I I
1: took that very seriously.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and obviously, it sounds like the way that your family traveled has had an impact on you, right?
1: Mm -hmm. We like to do stuff, explore. Like, we're very practical. We don't do like super fancy vacations, you know, three star hotel will do, but we go. In and explore for like 12-hour days and just walk around, get lost and get to know the place. We're not all about, you know, have a fancy dinner, sit down for like three hours and then, oh, now we're tired. No. Even with my parents, like we, we go out early in the morning and we don't come back to like midnight.
0: <laughs> so it is all about doing stuff on your own trip. It's not necessarily about relaxing.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to have those, but no, it's all about exploring, getting out. Especially in Puerto Rico, we don't get to walk that much. So mostly when we go to Europe, we're like, okay, let's just walk. We like getting out the door and just walking around, getting on the subway, exploring, trying the local food, local restaurants, that sure. sort of thing.
0: What were your parents like when they were traveling with you? Were you guys planning things out ahead of time so you knew what you wanted to do or was it a little more spontaneous?
1: a little bit of both. I mean when I was growing up obviously I was not the, the travel agent so <laughs> my father would get like someone to buy the tickets and all that stuff but yeah I guess we had an idea but never like planned like minute by minute sure like we have the main attractions and oh today we're doing this and this but not like by the hour and say so, like oh we like this place better so we'll stay here for a little longer and then we can do the other still the other thing after nothing like super rushed, They're not paranoid. They're yeah. very relaxed. I can not just like me, <laughs> so you know we just go with the flow. Nothing like they don't get mad easily. So
0: yeah, yeah it's yeah. not
1: like some. Well, now they're they're older, obviously, but they're not like okay. We have to be in there for like five hours right. before or anything like that. So, and now that I get to plan all the trips, um, my father's just like, "You do everything. Just tell me how much it is. Like, you buy the tickets. I'm like, okay, can we go this date? Like this." Does this work for you? That's it. I do the rest.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: I look for the areas, but they're like, yeah. Now they leave it up to me. And then last year on our last trip, um, we did a road trip through through Spain. And my father's like, oh, my God, you're amazing. You should, you know, people should pay you to do this. <laughs> Just <laughs> tell them the days and you'll take care of everything. Like from getting the Ubers each day to planning, you know, yeah, the main attractions to the, to the the flights and kind of like the leisure schedule so sure sure. i love that i'm like i could be a travel agent (laughs) well
0: you you answered my next question already i was going to say you know how much do you enjoy the the prep part that sounds like that's a pretty big part of it for you You kind of like getting excited about the trip before it happens
1: i do but i'm not too big into research like (laughs) i'm pretty lazy when it comes to that i like like right now i haven't done any research of where i'm going like most places i've been to but like Sure. There's one in right, that I've never been. I I probably go at the airport. I'll be like, okay, what what should I do? Yeah. <laughs> I book a hotel. I have a general idea of the schedule, but not like. Yeah. I, I can I, I can get very lazy. I but I I do like looking for flights. I'm okay. Let me see and like, yeah. I'm one of those that at the office like I'm like okay, how are the flights?
0: <laughs> I I'm kind of the same way. I don't know if uh. <sighs> I'm trying to remember what I'd be. Okay. So I asked Tanner this question, like I said before, early in the podcast, the three of us met in uh, Vietnam and the three of us traveled together uh, for a little bit of time. And then each of you individually, I spent some time with traveling, but, uh, I, I this, the question I asked Tanner was what was your first impression of meeting each other? And, uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, your first impressions of meeting both of us, or just in general, also, that trip.
1: I think you guys were already together at the hostel oh, wow. and we were waiting for a tour, right?
0: That's right. I'm like,
1: well, you know, there's right. like two Americans, they seem easy to talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing more than that. You seem cool, like approachable, and we were <laughs> doing the same thing. So, sure. I was trying to make friends, as everybody does in a hostel. So,
0: <laughs> no, you're right. I, uh, that's one thing i like about the hostel experience it's kind of like uh it's easy to figure out okay who's going out and doing stuff and if you're not yeah. as big of a planner and you like to be a little more spontaneous it's easier to be like All, what are you guys doing oh well, that doesn't sound very fun i me talk to these guys over here you know yeah i always
1: try to get like the what's that like a free walking tour i think something yeah out, out yeah yeah songs. i try to get those out of the way when i get first get, get to a place and get an idea of what's what's there and then whatever I like, I can go back to it later and like spend some more time, but, you know, get a little bit of the history, see where I am standing.
0: Sure. Well, and especially nowadays, it's pretty easy to just not be that planned out because you can always look it up. Even th- even if you're in Southeast Asia, you can use the internet. So it's kind of easy to just be like, uh, ah, what does everybody else want to do here? You know, look up yeah. best things to do and blah, blah, blah. So.
1: And now with COVID, it's kind of even better not to plan too much because it can change in a heartbeat
0: (laughs) yeah that's a really good point and i think we're going to touch on that a little bit more later um one thing i'd love to do in part three is kind of share some tips for people who are looking to do more solo travel uh, themselves so this you know it's interesting to hear how different people go about planning for planning for travel and what they enjoy about travel but I want to to step back a little bit and talk a little bit more about your personal and professional background for a second. Mm-hmm. So we got an idea of what it was like for you. Your family growing up uh, loved to travel a lot. You moved yep. to the U.S. for college. Was that the first time?
1: Mm-hmm. First school in Boston. Yep.
0: So So tell me about what that was like for you. Because that's a pretty big culture shift, moving somewhere, not just visiting, but moving. Did you feel prepared yeah. for that or what was hard about it?
1: I mean, sort of. It, You know, when you like traveling, it's like it's kind of like another trip. <laughs> and then it's college, so it's fun. And then I already, like a lot of people from my school, it, I went to Boston in Bentley University. So I, from my school, they pushed you kind of like to go to school in the U.S. So I already knew some people there also like in Boston. So, you know, I was moving into the fun, getting sure. out of Puerto Rico, exciting, like meeting new people that sort of thing. So it, it was fun. It's not like, I wouldn't say exactly culture shock. Maybe it was later as I started meeting more international people. Sure. Because in Puerto Rico, you don't get that. I mean, you get a few like Americans, but it's not that um, so quality or-
0: That was kind of one of your first times meeting international friends was one of the first times you really felt some of those culture shocks. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. My father in Puerto Rico, I'm a, I kind of, came also i came like because in puerto rico he had like a lot of like indian friends like okay. there's not that many indians in puerto rico
0: but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i wouldn't imagine <laughs> but, uh, anyway
1: yeah our neighbors are indians and so like you know they yeah. have their own crew and then they would always invite us to their like new Year's seat parties and stuff like that and i would love the food there i always got so excited especially because i'm a vegetarian so you know we don't have that many options like there's no Indian restaurants in Puerto Rico, maybe one. Yeah. So that sort of thing I really enjoyed. And then when I got to school, I got to make my own Indian friends. So I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm following my father's footsteps in that in that regard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you think that uh, your family's love for travel is really why you love it so much? Like that experience was so positive for you? Is that why? Or it's oh, kind of just something of your sure. own at this point?
1: That and then also as I started meeting more people in college, like I would see... I thought I always traveled, like in high school, within my group of friends, I was one of the ones that traveled the most, like with my family, mostly, Um, or even like trips that they did in school for like on our society. I'm like, I would ask my father, like, can I go? It's in Disney. I'm like, yeah, sure, go. So (laughs) I've been spoiled in that sense, too. I cannot complain. Sure. But then, yeah, I thought I traveled, but then you meet these people that they go on like weekend trips all the time, or they're like, I have roommates from, like, Indonesia. i had never taken a flight longer than like, seven hours to Europe. And sure. they do it, what, like, 14, 30 hours, 48 hours nonstop, total 30 hours. Like,
0: <sighs> yeah, they
1: do it like it's nothing. I'm like, whoa, yeah. what is that? Like, yeah, is yeah. that even possible? Um, So that definitely, like, opened up my eyes. And then I was like, where is Indonesia? I never I never cared <sighs> about, it. like, I didn't know anyone. You hear it on the news. It's like, you know, it's so far away. But when you're... You have close contact with these people and it's like "Hmm, maybe i'll start paying attention and that definitely opened up um my eyes to global traveling besides europe and the us
0: (laughs) sure sure i mean it's also funny too because i remember the first time i went to europe i was thinking like not that it's exotic but like it's different right so you Mm -hmm, go like wow mm -hmm. this is exciting because it's so different but then when you go somewhere truly different from the US or wherever you're from, you're like, oh, yeah. wow, this is really, this. that wasn't exactly the same. You know, that's like, that's pretty yeah, similar that's to what is a know. lot more yeah. like what I know if, compared to this anyway. So I totally get what you mean with Indonesia.
1: My father also had like some friends from Spain, but my mom's like, yeah, you were already traveling when you were in my belly and they would <sighs> go to like Barcelona a lot. So that for me is like, you know, I, that, I think that's why also I love Barcelona because I've been going there
0: all yeah. my life.
1: And then, and we, we knew the locals. So that also gives you a different perspective, not just, you know, the touristy, Ramblas and all that stuff.
0: <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about your college experience some more, though. So you got your master's in science in taxation from Bentley yeah. University. That's, that's the one in Boston, correct?
1: Yeah, um, I also did my undergrad there.
0: Why, why master's in taxation?
1: Because I, I didn't want to start working yet.
0: <laughs> it <laughs> so was you my didn't... excuse
1: to keep to keep studying, and then also, to become a CPA, you need like certain credits. So right. with just an undergrad, you couldn't get it. So with the, they had like a five year program in my school. So you would do like one more year after undergrad, and then you get all the credits and you get another title too.
0: It sounds like CPA was what you already had in mind. Then why why CPA? Was your dad a CPA or?
1: No, my father's a CFA, so more okay. like financial advisor. And then I went the accounting route. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a business school. So they, they, they're they pushing you to one of those. You know, if you want to succeed in the field, you need to get that.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So. I'm going to say this. I'm a little nerd. <laughs> I was gonna, I'm going to say this, and please don't take it the wrong way. But when I... Just talking to you? I would never guess like mathematics and science and taxes and stuff like that. Maybe the classes that you would want to take, you know. It's just kind of funny. But it's also what's great about getting to know people better.
1: But I've always liked numbers somehow. My dream was to be a cashier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At like what, six years Um, old?
1: Yeah, that was that was like my favorite toy, the cash register. Oh my god. The toy one. That's so good. Now, you know, when you have like the scans, like whatever the yeah, at yeah. the store that you can do self-checkout I love that I'm like here's my dream come true
0: were you guessing how much it's going to cost at the end or? no I
1: just like the scanning
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that <laughs>
1: yeah and so I had like you know my cash register when I was growing up and then I would get like I don't know I, that, that probably doesn't exist anymore but my father would have like some slips those that have like three copies with a carbon copy on the back. Yeah. So I would always like take those from his office and fill them out and, you know, play around <laughs> <laughs> with my friends with those.
0: Your dad was probably thinking, Oh, it's pretty easy, I don't have to buy any toys. So.
1: Yeah. So you could tell I mean I was inclined for something around I, I Sure. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I know I knew I didn't want science or anything like that. So, you know, business was the right choice. <laughs>
0: You're listening to part one of our interview with Mari Escobar, female solo traveler and financial controller. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. And as we prepare for the finale of season two with the next couple episodes, I want to say thank you to everybody who's tuned in. If you have a favorite episode, a favorite interview that we've done in season two, let me know on Instagram at alum with Peter. We're wrapping things up before my wife and I moved to Japan for the whole next adventure. And if you want to follow along with us, you can follow on Instagram at RealPeterK or on my website, petercursing.com, as we will be sharing plenty about that there. But let's get back to it with Mari Escobar on Alone with Peter. By the time you're going to Masters, you have to have a better idea about what you're getting into, right? So what yeah. is it about that type of job Looking back and in hindsight, that you enjoy because you're still working in finance.
1: Yeah, but there's so many accountants who hate their job, <laughs> so I got to be one of yeah. those. Uh, I mean, I was good at it. It's not like, oh my god, I'm dying to do numbers, but <laughs> I was good at it. I, I, you could say I enjoyed. I obviously I hated the accounting class, but it's stuff that I could do. <laughs> it, it was a good. There's always like a a lot of jobs, no matter yeah. what.
0: So it's, so it's a little bit more of like, let's say a practical decision. you know. So like here's the way I put it. Some people try to get a job that they love because they're going to be working a lot and they want to be doing something that they love when they're working. And that's a valid way to do it. That's kind of the way that I see it. But other people, maybe the way that they look at it is, I'm going to do something that allows me to do what I love, helps me pay for it or gives me the f- flexibility to do that. Which of those would you say you fall into if you had to choose one of the two?
1: maybe a mix it's like I don't mind doing it, and I'm good <laughs> at it,
0: <laughs> yeah, but right
1: now like I love my job i like I've had like my first job i it, there was a point I'm like, I hate it like no i don't want I, I don't want to do it anymore because it's it's numbers, but there's a level of doing numbers, crunching numbers when it's more intense than just doing like an overview or you know like getting a more like <laughs> I'd say like macro.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: so that makes a difference. Like right now I'm doing more finance than accounting. So, and I like it better than just doing the accounting and doing the taxes. But at that point I chose taxes more, say like audit is the usual route. Sure. And you probably, Tanner probably, also, I think also mentioned this. <laughs> yeah. He didn't go with audit. I did, he was either, either, or I, I think he went like some other way. Um, but I always hated, not just getting too technical, but I always hated journal entry. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I prefer taxes <laughs> than then audit. And then it's like, oh, everybody's like, yeah, you should do law school because law school go with the taxes. But no, I hate reading. I hate <laughs> arguing. So I always knew that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they're reading. <laughs>
0: I was wondering if this was going to come up. Okay, so this is something we do not have in common. When we first yeah. met, I remember this being such a barrier. I was like, you're like, I can't stand books. Like, I hate books with a passion. And I was just like, I oh. I like
1: books, books, but it's not. Okay. I don't spend too much time with them. Hey, yeah,
0: you do. I mean, you got a bookshelf behind me, you know, but.
1: <laughs> I have some books here. <laughs> I would love to see but,
0: them. I, knew, I would love to see I knew them. I know
1: it's just like a little box.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a one box in your house that still hasn't been unpacked <laughs> no,
1: no, no no it's like a basket not like a i'm just
0: teasing actually when we did the pre-interview for this this is a little bit behind the scenes i guess but we were still unpacking your boxes that's how yeah, long it's been since we talked about that that's yeah. so funny yeah
1: there's stuff on the walls now
0: <laughs> well yeah no it looks great it, i uh you, you you enjoy the apartment it sounds like yeah, it's a not good spot. This one
1: I like a lot better. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, so one of the other one of the other things that I think is kind of funny, all the similarities between you and Tanner, right? Because you didn't know each other before, you met each other at Vietnam, and you really didn't talk that much about, it, at least that I was aware, maybe it just went over my head about yeah. how you're both accountants, but you both worked for one of the big four accounting firms, which mm-hmm. I'm a plebeian. I had no idea what about what the big four was before I started talking to Tanner. All I know now is slave. that it's <laughs> like, you know, they do accounting for a lot of people and there's a lot of money involved. And to get mm-hmm. a job working for them is, is a kind of a big deal as far as your career uh, it sets, it trajectory. It sets you up.
1: It sets you up. Like once you have that on your resume, you're good to go. Everybody's yeah. going to look for you. So that's why you go through it. Um, you become a slave for them, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I always knew I was not going to do that for my, my entire life. Sure. Um, you know, they usually say you do five years and then you're good to go. Um, yeah. So that's basically what I did. It's It was rough. The first year was fun and games, but after that, it was like,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I think we're going to talk about two other things before we wrap up this episode. But first, before I talk about the second thing, uh, sorry, I'm being a little bit rambly here, but um, Tell me about your experience uh, working for Ernst and Young because that as you said, it kind of sets your trajectory for what's coming next. but was that your first job out of college and so tell me a little bit about you can go wherever you want with this. Tell me a little bit about Ernst and Young and then tell me about your first trip after Ernst and Young
1: Yeah, yeah, that was my first real job out, out of college I had only one uh, internship with them, but in Puerto Rico, like the summer before I tried, that's another thing. My parents never pushed me to do like an internship or get like a summer job early. Well, thank God I didn't really have to do it. Um, so we would always travel and then my mom's like, yeah, no, let's go travel. So that was our summer thing. Um, and so, yeah, uh, once I graduated, um, well, actually I had my, I asked for the, the, so I graduated in 2007. No, I mean, 08 after the master's, but um, I wanted to get the CPA out of the way before working. So I asked for the year off in between like starting to work and they were able to 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 honor that because then there's also the recession in 08 that a lot of people like lost sure. their offers. Sure. So at least I didn't go through that. So I had so wait, my job offer.
0: They gave yeah. you a job offer and then the recession happened. We still want to keep you.
1: Yeah, but I know a lot of people who got similar, or not even a year in between, who got. Who, I mean, their offers were like they fell through with wow. the, the Um uh, But no, uh, thank God, like my, like mine, like held up. Um, so I took the year off after graduating. I went back home, uh, did the CPA in that year, and then I moved to New York in '09. So that was in you know, I'm, I'm moving to New York. You know. This super cool job my first job is with ey it's like super good company I was like super excited and then I knew some people a lot of people from Boston moved to New York so you know I had I was not completely like alone I had some friends that were already there before I was so it was and you know it's New York City so it was like super yeah. exciting yeah and the first year it was amazing like and then also this this kinds of company they're like it's like a class that starts at the same time like in the summer there's like 50 people that start, you get the training, and, well, right. since it was New it was New York, like, people would come to the New York office for training. We, we didn't have to go anywhere, so, you know, you right. meet people from other offices, and that's part of, like, the, the fun part. Everybody's just starting, exciting, and then the work was not that bad. It was the second year that it, it started getting, like,
0: Is it just the 12? hours starting to, like, pile on top of you, or...
1: Yeah, the first year, I only worked, I I remember everything. (laughs) I only worked till midnight, like once, and that was it. And then you had like all these crazy parties and like trainings. Like they would also send us to Chicago at some point. And so, you know, there's a lot lot of perks. But then the second year, at least my division, we got a like huge client Mm. and that changed everything. So (laughs) there was a lot more work. And then the people is the same. It doesn't matter
0: yeah um, yeah yeah
1: and things changed <laughs> and it was like super constant like working till like midnight felt like work, leaving work at 3 p.m yeah or, like you know
0: just getting out at of work. eight
1: was like oh my god that's so early <laughs> uh you would always eat in the office because yeah i never cooked i'm like i was always in the office they would pay for our food so yeah sorry you didn't really like have to leave or do anything you didn't have time to do anything after and then the the few breaks that you had you're like I mean it's New York so people don't have big apartments to host like dinners or anything right. <laughs> so you would go out and like eat with friends so yeah and even then I make my time to like as you said like prioritize a uh, vacation uh, which over there is like with the workaholic mentality is not a thing that they enjoy like they always had a hard time approving it for like longer sure. than a week. I'm like, just let me go.
0: <laughs> was was that the biggest? Re- I have so many questions that are popping into my head about this because <laughs> because it's interesting to see. For those of you who haven't listened to Tanner Kumbias' episodes, check them out on the podcast. But there's some interesting correlations here I want to get into a little bit without spending too much time on yeah. uh, on the world of accounting. But the first is is that why you ultimately left EY Ernest & Young because yeah, you couldn't get enough travel ridiculous. time yeah
1: huh
0: was it because you couldn't get enough travel time
1: i mean they always gave it to me but <laughs> it was <laughs> it was kind of like a challenge i think i was yeah. i feel like that happens everywhere not just ey i'm i'm sure. the one always using all my vacation days yeah. most people like don't even care they don't keep track of their days stuff like that um but yeah it's like too much work like mm. you don't you would be working holidays weekends so right it's like, I know that wasn't for me. I like doing other stuff outside of work.
0: <laughs> but wasn't that a wasn't that probably a pretty hard decision? I have to imagine because you make good money as a CPA for one of the Big Four. I'm sure you do, right?
1: Yeah, but by the amount, like by how much you work, like they would always say this: like you were, you probably were making like minimum wage. <laughs>
0: Just because you're you just overworked it with the salary. amount
1: of hours. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, they know your salary. So there's nothing. Right. So it's like, oh, you're going to, like, sue them. It's not, you're not the only one.
0: <laughs> right. They
1: do this, but they know, you know, their name on your on your resume. It's like, it's invaluable.
0: So, in a sense, too, deciding to leave after two years? I or did two years,
1: in, two and a half years in New York, and yeah. I switched to Puerto Rico. Okay. It was a, but also with them. Um, and that that's, after that, I left. It was a little better in Puerto Rico. The, yeah. uh, the hours were not as crazy. Yeah. It was never like 40 hour week. week. Um, but
0: so, yeah, it was
1: still pretty rough.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it just, it's a recipe for burnout for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why people, the, the turnover there is crazy. Yeah. And then when you would talk to people in other like states or around the world, like New York is always the hardest one. <laughs> So you get fun and games or in the city. Like it was in Times The office, I think they moved on, but it was right in the middle of Times Square, which sometimes you're like, okay, I don't want to go to Times Square. But other times, you know, <laughs> it had its perks. Um, but yeah, it's, they work. The New York mentality is like different from anywhere else.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, sure. The other thing that pops to mind, I'd be curious to hear what you think about is if you spend time listening to Tanner talk, tell the dude I would, the way I would describe it is frugal. And he's very good about knowing how to save his money and spend it the way he wants to spend it. And he's okay with not spending money on certain things. One of the things he said in his interview was that uh, you'd be surprised how bad some accountants are at being good with their money. (laughs) Yes, I uh, I hear that. (laughs) How are you with your money? How would you self-assess?
1: I'm pretty thrifty too. Yeah. Yeah. My friends know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there I mean I do spend my, my money I spend it on traveling sure I don't I do go out yes yeah but I don't spend I don't buy like a $1,000 purse or anything like that I spend that on a ticket yeah. I rather do that, that than those kinds of things actually from New York is when I save the most yeah maybe it, it doesn't make much, much sense but uh that's what that's what allowed me kind of goes with what he was saying like you know save to do whatever you want whenever Sure. And that's why I was able to take like uh my fun employment gap months or almost fun years, employment I because like of that. what I, I love that one. <laughs> uh, from what I saved from from New York, uh, also you're making, you know, a lot sure. of money, good money, but you're working so much you can't you don't have the time to spend it. All. <laughs> I was
0: just about to say that because I was talking to a friend who's a lawyer the other day, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm saving money, but not because necessarily I'm good with my money because I don't have time to spend it."
1: Exactly. And
0: yeah. maybe that's good for a period of time. You, you need to it save is. up. but uh, <laughs>
1: When the busy season came around, I was like, okay, it's good. <laughs> I'm going to save money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's not sustainable. So I think we should wrap up this yeah. episode with the story of your first big trip after Ernst & Young when you decided to leave.
1: That was actually my first solo trip around Europe, and it was definitely life-changing. Uh, originally I was going to do just a month in Paris because in one of my travels with my, my family, actually one of the one that I didn't want to go, I was like, why are we going to Paris? There's nothing there, like super uninterested and I fell in love with it. I'm like, I'm moving here. So after that, I always kept that in my mind and I decided, okay, I'm like, I'm going to go for a month and, you know, take French, just to do something besides traveling And then it ended up being like almost three months. Um, I kept changing my ticket. (laughs) And then I was like, so I I did Paris on my own. And then I was visiting people where I had people. Like my brother was in Munich at the time. So I went to visit him. I did like Oktoberfest. I also have friends that came to meet me at some points. And then other friends that I was visiting there. And then parts of it, I was completely on my own. And that's when I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I met so many people. Uh, that's when I started doing the hostels and yeah I know I know I changed after that trip like I had to talk to people like I didn't know I was like I thought I was shy before that trip after I was like I can talk to anyone who stands next to me because I have no option otherwise I wouldn't talk to anyone <laughs> for like three months
0: <laughs> right I love it That's a wrap on part one of our interview with Mari Escobar. Next week, we'll be talking about her solo travel experience and how she maximizes work to pursue travel. Talk about the pros and cons of solo travel, some stories that you can share with us about travel as a female, and how to avoid dangerous situations, and so much more. As we prepare for the finale of season two of Aloma Peter within the next two episodes, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners who have tuned in this far throughout the season, throughout the year. You mean so much to me and I I couldn't do this without you. So thanks for spending some quality time alone with Peter and I hope to see you next week.